Have you ever wondered, am I more than my mental health diagnosis? Am I meant for more than being a mom? Do you desire a space to talk about that messy middle and the dreams for your future? A space where it's okay to fill up your cup first, where talking about anxiety and depression is just as natural as talking about the weather. If any of this resonates with you, I invite you here to the Chasing Courage community, a podcast that originally started in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic to help me navigate my own anxiety and depression, as well as my personal growth journey. I'm Courtney. I'm a wife, a mom, a mom to one with one on the way, and I've got big goals and aspirations. Goals that motherhood or mental illness are not going to be my excuse, but rather the reason that I am able to achieve all of these things on my heart. If you're ready to do the same, let's go chase courage together. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you are here today and I have probably one of my most anticipated guests (laughs) with me, um, Ashley Stahl, who is author, speaker, coach, I mean, all of the things. Ashley is here with me today and I am so incredibly honored and excited. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so honored to be interviewed by someone who's taken so much time to read my book and be a part of my work. So thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So my whole introduction to you started, and I don't think that we've chatted about this in the DMS yet. Um, I first heard about you and who you are in your work in February of 2021. Mm-hmm. So as we're recording this exactly two years ago, um, on the empower her podcast. With- oh my gosh. Love Keisha. Yes. With Keisha. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was actually right around the time where I first learned how to save podcast episodes mm. in the, the interview that you did with Keisha was one of my first ever saved podcast episodes. Oh, how fun. I loved her. She's really memorable. Such a good interviewer. Yes. She's in her energy and her personality yeah. and just everything. Um, and then shortly after that is when I started podcasting, um, that the summer of 2020. Mm. So I heard about you in your book. And I added it to, you know, this list that I'm sure so many people in the personal development space, they're like, you know what, these are all the books that I want to read. And it wasn't until someone bought me the book in the fall of 2022 that I read the book. And I was like, okay, this is multiple times I've heard the recommendation of this book. And then someone bought it for me because they believed so much in what, you know, the message that you had to say. And it was like, cause it's one of those things where it's like, well, when I get around to it on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we're going to dive in a lot about, you know, what your book is. And, but before we do that, for those who may not be familiar with you and your work, um, do you want to give a little personal and professional background? Yeah. It's so interesting. Every time someone asks me my story, I'm like, how do I make my story more interesting for myself? Because, you know, (laughs) you're just like, you have pretty much one story. You could tell it many different ways, I guess. But so I, in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to study, but I was really into politics, not because I really was, but because my family was into it. And my dad is an avid reader of the New York Times, The Economist, you name it. And so I just kind of grew up around that and figured politics, government, people were very interesting. So I might as well major in it. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My career services lady at my college told me, she was a very sweet lady, but she told me, follow your bliss and like, 
all that stuff. And I really felt more lost when I left her office. So I just thought, I guess I'll study politics and do something with it. And I was always really good at learning foreign languages. Like at a young age, my mom had me fluent in Spanish, which I've now forgotten. So I don't know what (laughs) what it's worth for me to even admit that. But um. Yeah. So I ended up learning French, learning Arabic, going to graduate school, preparing for a career in national security. It was just the highest form of giving back and service I could think of myself giving. And I always had people skills. And so I thought, you know what? People confide in me. Let me use this skill to become a spy. Let me use this skill to join the government. I'm good at languages. I'm good at people. And, you know, when you think of the CIA, there's many different roles there. So it's not just the typical, like, going out into the field and collecting intelligence. There's so many different ways they can use people skills and language skills. So I pursued that. I ended up at the Pentagon and just realized a lot about myself. So I realized, number one, I'm way too sensitive for this career path. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's it's kind of embarrassing in a way. And I don't judge myself for it anymore, but it was embarrassing to say, oh, I'm too sensitive for this. It's like, mm-hmm. girl, how didn't you notice you were too sensitive for national security? It's a pretty <laughs> intense field. But yeah. you just don't know yourself until you do. And you yeah. don't really find yourself until you try different selves on and see what feels like home, what feels like you. So I ended up being really good at job hunting, helping a lot of people on my way into the Pentagon get job offers and making it just kind of like a fun weekend coffee thing to help friends. And eventually that lent itself to me starting my career coaching business. You know, I was 25, 26 and didn't really have a career to coach off of. So I just stuck with what I knew, which was I know how to get a job. I'm not going to help you figure out anything else other than job hunting. And it was the recession and I just knew how to get job offers. So I stuck with that for a few years and then I eventually helped people after I was exposed to hundreds of clients and thousands of people who eventually signed up for my online programs on job hunting. I eventually figured out how to help people with clarity, how to help people with fulfillment because I'd just been exposed to so many different paths. So now I'm here. I have my book out. Um, It just hit the bestseller list in Asia. Oh my God. Which is so funny. Like I, it's funny because- I have no audience in Asia, so I worked really hard to push it out there in the United States, and it's just a symbol of how life can sometimes work, where it just dropped in Asia and did really well. So sometimes we don't need to push to to be seen. Sometimes mm-hmm. things are just meant to do well on their own, and you can push really hard in one place and do nothing in another, and you just get heard. You get seen. So... I also spend a lot of time on my podcast, the U-Turn podcast, um, same as my book, same name. It's Y-O-U. And yeah, I just really love this work. Um, I'm a little bit different, I think, than most people in personal development. I'm a little bit more of an introvert than people realize that I am. Mm-hmm. Super open with my friends. I'm very inwards with my work. Like I like to write. I like to think. I like to feel Um, I don't like attention on me, but I wrote a book about myself. So I don't even know what that means about me. (laughs) I get it though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that, so I think that that was one of the things that when, um, when I listened to you on Keisha's podcast, when I read your book, that was really clear to me in this kind of like, I think because I'm similar, I was picking up that you are like this introverted extrovert or somebody who isn't the typical, well, I mean, my goodness, a lot of the women who are listening to us right now are fans of Keisha. So this is a great example of like, think of Keisha's bubbly outgoing personality. And you are quite 
the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And I resonate with that so much, like highly sensitive, like, even sometimes before I have like a podcast interview or something, I'll be like, I just really don't want to talk to anybody right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's funny. It's almost like sometimes you want to go to a party, but the first thing you think when you walk in is I want to go home. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I want to be here, but I want to be home. It. I think it's just your, our nervous system gets activated And it feels good to have a nervous system at ground zero, to be at total peace. And I think being in the world is hard. Being alive is hard. Achieving, you know, achieving things is hard. Um, You know, just going to school, putting food on the table, having babies, not having babies, and just providing for yourself, existing, being healthy. It takes Mm. work to exist. And I have so much empathy for people who have things with their mental health during this time because the human experience is really beautiful and it's really challenging and um yeah yeah I could go on and on that was yeah that was really powerful just like you saying like it it takes a lot of work to exist yeah um and I think that that's that kind of segues into this whole concept of like the work that you do. One of my favorite things from your book, and please let me know if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but the goals, mm-hmm. but with, with a G mm-hmm. uh, souls with a G when your goals are alignment with your soul. And I think so much of our time here on this earth is spent, you know, working yeah, or, you know, building a career, making money in, I feel like that that's one of the hardest parts of it then is when we don't feel in connection with or in alignment with what it is that we're doing. Um, so for the listener who maybe hasn't read your book, will you elaborate a little bit on the G-O-U-L-S Yeah, um, and just what that means to you and how you see it in the world today? Yeah. When I went to graduate school for psychology, um, the head of the program talked about how there's a goal line and a soul line. So the goal line is going, it's all about, you know, going across the plane of our world. It's more success, more achievements, and it's really fun. It's a fun place to play. Sometimes it's kind of dark if you're in the more, 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 and nothing ever feels like enough. And the explanation is that as we go, you know, from left to right down this goal line and achieve things, if we don't pay attention to the soul line, which goes from the ground up, then we lose ourselves. We lose fulfillment. So I think the goal line is much more of a science. It's like, if you do X, Y, Z, you're going to get ABC. The soul line is more of an art. It's about getting to know yourself. It's about fulfillment. And so I was really big in the book about creating goals instead of G-O-A-L-S, G-O-U-L-S, goals with soul. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really hard to have a fulfilling life if you don't know yourself. Because when you don't know yourself, you ask for things or you consent to things that aren't necessarily you. And then you're stuck doing a bunch of stuff that feels like you're pushing a river. And you didn't even know how it was going to feel because you didn't know yourself to realize that you weren't going to like it. And so the thing about getting to know yourself is that it can happen in conversations, but it can ha- it also happens a lot through experience. And I think we live in an era right now where for one, um, people don't know even their energy levels. Like for me, I got bit by a tick that had Lyme, like I think 10 years ago. And I didn't realize that until now, because I got another bite from another Lyme tick two oh years, three years ago. <laughs> so I must've been meant to have Lyme disease in this life, but I don't have a lot of symptoms. Yeah. Um, thankfully the only symptom I've had in my life is that I get sick easily and I get tired. Like I, I remember 
I probably missed like three months of middle school because I didn't feel well. And it, it, looking back, I remember this, this belief that formed during that time, I'd watch my parents come out of their work day to pick me up from school. And I never felt like a burden. My mom was so great at enthusiastically picking me up, but I did feel the sense of like, she has somewhere she's supposed to be and she's here with me. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I can't have somewhere I'm supposed to be because I don't feel well too often. Mm. And so my health has really gotten better since those years, but my energy levels played a huge role in my decision for who I could be in my career. And I wasn't buying in the limitations of like, oh, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. It was very much like, oh, I, I tend to need a lot of energy to recharge. I, I tend to need a lot of white space on my calendar to be creative, knowing myself, knowing my energy. And that really lent itself to me making a decision that I want to be someone who creates something on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many different work structures, but I just want to impart to anyone listening the importance of knowing what your energy is, um, whether that's you have some sort of physical ailment or it's just how you naturally came into the world. It's part of knowing thyself. Yes. Just yes. like you want to know what you're into, just like you want to know what your skills are, what job is best for you, what business is best for you knowing your energy levels is a really good place to start. And I love offering it because I think people can actually tune into that pretty quickly. Mm, I think that's so incredibly powerful. And that for me too, I, you mentioned earlier in our conversation about, we have to experience things. We have to do different things in order to know. And that's so much of the case of, you know, your story, like highly sensitive, but yet working for the CIA Or with me, like for the longest time, I felt like what is wrong with me because I was struggling with dealing with mental health, working in a corporate space. Yeah. And like, there's some days where I feel I can give 120% and then other days where I'm like down to 20 of the 120%. And in, in the last year and a half, it's been so evident to me that that's because if I can create my own schedule, if I can be in the ebbs and flow of what my energy is, then that's in fact, what's best for me yeah. versus just typical corporate culture is just like every day, like you show up and you give a hundred percent and like a lot of people for physical reasons, mental reasons, whatever it is, that's just not, we can't operate that way. Right. Right. And you know, when I think about how society has evolved, like the workplace is a very interesting place because number one, at least the American corporate culture skews in favor of extroverts. So that's just one real reality that is supported by data. Um, And so if you are an introvert, chances are you have incredible ideas, you need space to think about them, and the workplace isn't necessarily fully structured to support you unless you're with a manager or a team that really gets that. Mm. Or you know that enough about yourself to own that, to say that, to share that, to know what to ask for, to nurture and cultivate that. Um, I think working remotely has either made people shine even more or made people feel even more disconnected and alone, depending on their energy. Um, for me, I shine even more. Like when I yeah. see my friends and I'm social, I'm like, I've been sitting in a battery charger all day for myself. <laughs> yes. So um, yeah, when it comes to goals, my favorite thing to do is just to write down on a piece of paper, what are all of the things that sound really expansive to you? interesting to you? Who are people you've met doing things in the world that you find super interesting, super inspiring? 
write it down. What are different paths you could choose? What are different ways you like to spend your time? And then after you've explored all of it, star the ones that make you really feel something. Mm. Star the ones that feel like, oh, I'm so pulled towards this one. In my case, I know that who I want to be in my life is a little bit more of a renaissance woman. Um, I've always been the type to be like in and out. And that applies on a lot of levels. With my book, it looks like I wrote the first draft. And then when it came to edits, it was like soul sucking for me because I'm a creator. I'm not a um, fidgeter. Like I don't (laughs) fit with my work, you know, or I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's the right word. Um, And so even with writing a book, I'm in and out. Um, Right now I'm working on a workbook to go with the U-turn book. That's going to come out in the next year. And it's like, I'm in and out. I'm going to create it and then I'm never going to look at it again. And I'm going to love it when I'm doing it. And then it's, I, I never want to do it again. I like to just know my soul likes to know what it feels like to experience something. Mm-hmm. I just finished getting my meditation teacher training. I'm enrolled this year in a herbalism course. I'm going to be certified herbalist so I can like mix teas and oh tonics God. or God knows what. So yeah. I just think life is an experiment and you get to be who you want to be. And there's so many different work structures that can support you, whether you're in corporate America and if it doesn't suit your energy, there's, you know, poly work. The millennial generation used poly work to keep the lights on, right? Like they had multiple part-time jobs because they couldn't get a full-time job because it was the recession and they would piece together their income to pay their bills. Now I'm seeing Gen Z use poly work as a way to express themselves. Mm. So they're taking multiple jobs to experience the nuances of a path that they're interested in. So if they're interested in the industry of film and their skill set is around content, around words, around writing, maybe they are helping with scripts in one job and maybe they're helping with editing in another job. So it's like they're creating in one, they're editing in the other, they're exploring different facets of something. Um, and poly work is very powerful for that. They have 10 hours a week with this thing. They have 20 hours a week with that thing. They have five hours a week with the other thing. I think it's important to get to know how do you work best? Mm-hmm. You need a job that you're on your own time. Um, do you just need something full-time and remote? Do you need something part-time so you can build something else slowly over time? Um, I think a lot of people get afraid with making those changes because the first thing they think is I can't afford to do that versus, well, how much would it cost for me to do that? Mm-hmm. What What are my numbers? How much do I actually need to be bringing in to be able to do that? Yep. Um, and so just taking an honest look at their life snapshot and making decisions on how they're going to create their life from that standpoint. Yeah. I think that we're uh, not, you know, and not collectively everybody, but a lot of people are so quick to point out how, how they can't do something or why they can't do something versus let me figure out the ways that I could. Yes. Um, It's literally a mindset thing, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just, it's, it's a lot more natural and common to be like, well, here's the reasons why I can't. Yeah. Um, rather than here's the reasons why I could. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, I just, I love what you said about the the poly work thing. And I wonder how different the last 10 years of my life could have looked had I had taken that type of approach. Mm. Um, gosh, you know, just then rather like putting all time and energy into one thing. Yeah. And I, that's one th- change that I think was so beautiful about the pandemic in 2020, even with all of its hardships that it did bring was it was like in the last couple of years, there has been this sense of like so many people starting something on the side, so many people pushing to work from home if that's what they want to do. Um, I'm curious for someone like you who does the work that you do with careers and um, networking and all of that, how has that shift and change been for you to watch 
you know, from pre 2020 to post 2020? Yeah. I mean, networking, the thing that I find really interesting when it comes to networking is how much people think it's changed, but to me, it really hasn't. Yeah. Um, it's like, instead of networking in person at a coffee shop, you're on zoom and it's the same conversation. The question just becomes, how do you create connection when there's a computer screen? And I think that Zoom can go really deep and you can have total connection with people. And it's a matter of, I think, the technological side of things. Like, it's almost like um, your physical health. Like, you mentally can't do much if physically you're not well. Like, your physical health kind of sets the tone for mentally where you're at. I think that's kind of like um, Zoom networking. It's like your computer's health. The physical health of your computer dictates how good your connection is going to be. So is your Wi-Fi fast enough? Are you charged? Is it, are you, you know, did you make sure that your Wi-Fi doesn't have 20 different things connected to it? So it's not disrupted. Um, do you have a good camera? Like, and I say this right now is I have no special camera, <laughs> right? Um, you know, do you have a light on your face, which I have done right now? Do you have a mic? Like, what are some of the things that you can use to enhance connection? Mm. Um, for me, I'm living out, out of a suitcase a little bit right now, but these are the things that I really think about when it comes to creating that same connection. I think when it comes to networking, um, everybody has different agendas. The worst time to do it is when you absolutely need something because then you can't really connect authentically with somebody if you're making an ask. Um, Not to say that asks are inauthentic. It's just you don't have a foundation or a relationship to ask off of. Yep. Um, Yeah. I Okay. So two things from that, we'll see if I can remember both. The first is being somebody who kind of identifies as more of an introvert, like you and I both do. For me, it was like the the pandemic and being able to network or do things like this over Zoom was so much more like calming to my nervous system. Cause I'm like, I'm so much more likely to open up and have a conversation with someone with this computer screen in between us than I would be to maybe actually meet you in person for coffee. Mm-hmm. 100%. And people are more available. Now a half hour Zoom or a half hour networking meeting is really a half hour versus a half hour plus a drive plus, you know, whatever else coordination you have to do. That's incredibly true. And yes, yeah, it's like you can fit a little bit more into your day and your schedule because yep. of that. Um, oh, what was the other? I, I knew that I would forget the second thing. That's okay. It'll come back. <laughs> it will It will come back if it was meant to come back. Yeah. Um. So one of my absolute favorite things that you talk about in the book, um, and we've touched on a little bit here is, the, I mean, the title of the book is U-Turn. And I'm sure a lot of people like myself, when I'm thinking of a U-Turn, I think of this big, massive change. Mm-hmm. And one of my absolute favorite things was um, in the book where you talk about how it doesn't necessarily mean if you don't like your job that you're in the wrong industry. It could be you're in the wrong environment. You're in the wrong line of work. Yeah. Um, just a little couple degree pivot versus a full on U-turn. Yeah. Um, so I would just love if you would talk to that for a little bit. Cause I do think that that's so incredibly common. I know that myself changed jobs a handful of times for that very reason. Yeah. You know, I think that your career is like layer cake and there's the skills that you're using, which I think is the biggest layer and the most important thing. It's the foundation of the cake. If you are not, if you're in a job that's requiring a skill set of you that is not your core skill set, like nothing's going to work, no matter how great the culture is. Like you can't perform, you can't satisfy the bare minimum standards to get a job done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the bottom of the layer cake is what skills are you using in your job and do they match the skills you have? 
Um, I think another layer of the cake is, are you growing your skills or are you on a carousel just using the same skills and nothing's really growing? I think the third layer of the cake is your values. Does the company violate or trespass on any of the values that you hold dear? Um, you know, I had a client who in my, in my private practice was an incredible salesperson. He loved doing it. It was using his skill set, but you know, and I've talked about this because I never forgot him, but he was selling something that he didn't feel he believed in. And with core value being an in- integrity for him, it was really painful to, for mm, him to experience. Yeah. No matter what his skills were, no matter what the job was, it just wasn't going to work out for him with that. So I think really taking a look at what do you hold dear to your heart? What are the non-negotiable principles that you hold as very important for your life? And um, just being really, really mindful of those. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that what's so interesting is that, um, you know, particularly I think of just some of the people that I follow on social media and the duress difference that there is between like how we go about what we choose for our career and what we do in our day to day is either so black and white or, oh, there's actually like this gray area, like Mm -hmm. something that you talk about in the book as we are on the journey, we're changing. So then it's, it's natural for our interests to change our likes and dislikes to change, but there's this other side of the world or the other side of the internet. That's going to be like, no, like you have to put your blinders on and go towards the goal versus allow yourself to evolve in pursuit of the goal. Mm -hmm. I think that's, there's a lot of extreme thinking. And I think that's a response to anxiety. A lot of the time, like when we have anxiety and things feel like they're spiraling out of control, one way that's going to manifest is trying to get control. So people Mm -hmm. who tend to be very controlling tend to also have a lot of anxiety and anxiety sees things through the lens of black or white. So um, if we are in a reality where we've used a certain skill set, we don't want to keep using it in the same way. I think anxiety is going to tell us like, oh, well then we're, we're tossing it away. Theory of sunken cost. It's gone. Whereas I think we live in a world of gray, you know, it's a very gray world. I love that I'm wearing a gray sweatsuit today on our podcast. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think we live in a gray world where there's a lot of options and your skill set and the things you've done in the past really can and will translate for your future. But what's key is that you are able to very clearly express how you used your skill of the past mm-hmm. and how it's translating into the direction you're going in the future. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And that kind of, you, you may have already answered this question a little bit, but I want you to elaborate then on like, say for example, the woman who's listening is she's like, I'm struggling between here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what I've done in the past. Here's what people will pay me for right? There's all these different elements and how to decide which way you're supposed to go. Mm, I think that it's just about being very experimental and remembering that every way you could go lands in a different universe and that all these different universes are incredibly fascinating in their own right. And none of them necessarily have to be right or wrong for you. It's just different experiences that help you become who you are. Um, And so I think that it's important to, and discover who you are. So it's important to look at all these different pathways and not overthink them, but just ask the right questions and get out of limbo and make a decision. Because like I say in the book a lot, it's like clarity comes from taking action. It comes from engaging, doesn't come just from thinking. And so 
I think eventually you weigh your options and you make a choice and you realize that everything has a tax. Everything has a cost of admission. Nothing is a hundred percent. I think the idea that you should love what you're due puts a lot of undue pressure on people um, to pick, you know, a career path that is so purpose-driven that it's almost not achievable. I think, you know, um, I have a lot of purpose in my business. I really love what I do. And like, I spend like probably 25% of my time on tech glitches and I hate technology glitches. So that's just my cost of admission to having a business I love. And I think people who throw away something they're doing because a portion of it isn't working for them need to really question what is it about that portion that isn't working? Is it that it's challenging you to work outside of your skill set, or is it forcing you to grow in an area that would be good for you to grow? Um, I don't necessarily see your career as a place of you finding your purpose. I think your purpose moves. Like um, if you're a new mother, there's a lot of purpose in being a mother. Um, I would say so many different ways to find purpose. To me, the workplace and the workforce is a place for you to contribute. Hmm. Um, And I think there's a lot of purpose in contribution. There's a lot of purpose in being someone in this world who gets to say, you know what? Um, I have a skill set and I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to give it to the world and I'm going to just add value through that. Um, And so that I think is where we really want to remain when it comes to thinking about purpose versus contribution. Mm. And that was just so powerful. Really what I just pulled out from that was like, your skill set doesn't have to be um, your purpose. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get confused and think that that is it. And then that makes us feel a little lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, that's powerful. Um, okay. I want to ask you, this is just kind of a fun question that I like to ask at the end for the audience to get to know you more um, personally and professionally. What is it right now in Ashley's life that you are excited about from a personal side of things and then maybe coming up in um, business? What is it that I'm excited about that's happening like in the workforce or for me personally? Both. I think the most exciting thing that's happening in 2023 in the workplace is just pay transparency. I think the gender gap has been very alive for many different reasons. I think one reason is that women are conditioned not to ask or, you know, people who identify as women are conditioned not to ask or to be as aggressive by society. Yeah, um, yeah. But I also think the lack of pay transparency makes it really hard to even know what to ask for. So um, I'm really excited that a lot of states are adopting pay transparency laws. I don't think it's too much to ask of the workforce. I don't think it's on. Un- I think the fact that it's a mystery and that's, you know, John Doe can get 100K for a job that Sally's getting 70K for mm. is just absurd. Um, and so this pay transparency for me is just like such an exciting and almost obvious development. It feels like one of those inventions that you're like, this Duh. is an obvious invention. Yeah. Like how did we not think of this? Oh, yes. Um, so that's what I'm excited about in the workplace. Um, as far as me personally, you know, I have been on an adventure for a lot of my life. And this is the first time in my life that security sounds better than adventure. Mm. And it's not that I have to pick one or the other, but I've been leading with adventure. I've been leading with packing my bags, going wherever I want to be. Um, I think that my writing my book, having my podcast were both parts of my karma and just ways of me expressing myself being here on the planet. And after having achieved those, I think there's some years that you ask questions and other years you get them answered. And for me, I'm in a 
year where I'm just in the questions of what do I want to do next? Um, my book is making its way out into other countries, other languages. That's really exciting. Um, I don't know. One of the biggest realizations I've had in my mid late thirties is it's fine to be fine. I think Mm. in personal development, some people say like you shouldn't be fine or they imply that saying you're fine means you're in pain. And sometimes it does. Sometimes we're conditioned to say I'm fine, but you're not. But I think a lot of people are doing fine. You know, like we, maybe our lives are a little bit predictable, but there's such a depth that can happen in security, safety, and predictability, like going deeper with yourself. If you're, if you have a routine, you have more space to do things. I mean, I have been in so much logistics because of my adventures and logistics take time to manage, whether it's moving to a new city or finding a new coffee shop to work from or whatever it is. It sounds small, but it takes time. And it's time that I'm not spending going deeper on some level. I'm in newness. So I think my intention now is to be in a lot of peace. Um, a lot of my friends are building, you know, multi-million dollar coaching companies, and I I love them and admire them and support them. I think for me, I it's not that I'm meant to play small, but I feel like I'm meant to play simple. Mm. Um, I'm a really happy person. And I wake up like 95% of the time. It's not like I have like sunshine, like flying out of my ass, but like I wake up pretty happy. Like I feel in a pretty good mood. I feel pretty grateful. I feel like I'm making progress slow by, you know, little by little. And I think that's the key to a lot of happiness is feeling some momentum in your life. Um, I'm not looking to make some big pops and overwhelm or overstimulate myself. So yeah, like I'm working on this workbook. I'm working on a poetry collection. Um, I'm working on a couple new courses this year, but I'm working on them on my own pace. I don't even list launch dates or anything like that. And I understand there's a privilege to that, being able to kind of go at your own pace. Um, and I'm really grateful that I've been able to create that in the business that I have. And my hope for anyone listening is that if they want to create this kind of stability for themselves um, to realize that there is just as much stability in working for yourself or creating things you want to create as there is in the workforce. And you can cultivate that over time. And now is better than ever to start that. Um, I've had some clients in my private practice that didn't know what kind of business they want to start, but they wanted to create a brand so that eventually when they did know what kind of business Mm -hmm. to start, they could get started with it and they would have an audience to build it off of. So I think it's an exciting time right now. Oh my gosh. I love that you said that. And I love that you said it because it is so countercultural from a lot of what we see and hear is when's the next thing I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was maybe a podcast that you were interviewed on. Somebody was asking about like, when's the next book or when's the U-turn 2.0 coming? And I feel like I remember your response being like, I don't know if there will be another second book. Like I might be okay with just U-turn. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of business people out there that happen to write a book to elevate their business or because it's the next thing or because they felt like it. I feel like I'm very much so a writer that happens to have a business and mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to be who I am. I'm not afraid to make less money being who I am. I'm not afraid to make a lot of money being who I am. I think it's just um, realizing like I was listening to an interview with Reese Witherspoon the other day. 
she was talking about how like business or just your career, it's like a bus. Like sometimes you're in the back of the bus, sometimes you're on the front of the bus, but stay on the bus. And mm-hmm. I've been on this bus since 2012 when it comes to my own business. And it's been over a decade now. And I've just stayed on the bus. And some years I look at them in the mirror and I'm like, this isn't working. Like I spent X amount to get this thing out in the world and I'm made Y off of it and I'm in the hole. Um, But as long as I'm creating things that I want to create, there is so much fulfillment in that. Um, And I don't know. I think that who you are changes over time. What you need changes over time. So I think in my next chapter, I'm looking forward to creating a poetry collection. I'm looking forward to being a mother. I'm a real estate investor, um, which is something I've always wanted to be because I think real estate is so fun. Um, And I actually think there's so much financial empowerment that especially women can have that they don't necessarily realize. Like, I think we are conditioned to think you have to put 20% down on a house or, you know, a condo or whatever. You can put 5% down if it's your first investment. Like just talk to someone. Like if you want to just buy a townhouse for $150,000, can you save 5% over the next year and put down that payment? Can you get a house with a guest house and rent out the guest house so that it can support your mortgage in a really big way? Um, there's so much financial empowerment in real estate, in the stock market. Um, and it's only in my mid thirties that I'm really starting to get comfortable with that because I spent all my twenties and early thirties investing in my business. And now I've kind of turned the other direction. Um, and that's been really huge because I think a lot of us grew up watching our parents work hard to make money or whoever our caretakers were, Yeah, you know, I never had heard of passive income when I was a kid, you know? Just Mm -hmm. active income, like watching my parents earn every penny. So for me to, you know, whether it's in my private practice or through my courses or through sponsors on my podcast, my money isn't necessarily tied to my every waking minute. Um, And there's something really empowering about that as a woman. So I'm going to keep creating creative things. Um, keep investing. And eventually when I feel comfortable with it, sharing what I've learned, not from a place of expertise, but hopefully as a peer to anyone else who's looking to do the same. Oh my gosh. Perfect. Perfect line and point to end on. Um, Mm -hmm. Ashley, thank you so much. Like, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your wisdom um, and your grace. And if you could share, I will put everything in the show notes, but where, where's the best place that people could come to just get more of you and who you are? Yeah. Um, I would say the U-Turn podcast is like where I'm pouring the most energy these days. It's Y-O-U turn. Um, you can find it anywhere. And then the U-Turn book is everywhere. Books are sold. It's bright yellow. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. A little sunbeam. And I'm on Instagram sometimes. Like it's funny. My stories are in a spurt when it feels fun. And then you don't see me on them when I'm inward and writing my, in my home. Um, but I would love to hear from you. I'm so honored to be here with you. And um, I think you're doing the right thing with podcasting and the energy that you're in. It's been really nice to be interviewed by you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for choosing to press play on another episode of the Chasing Courage podcast. I am seriously so thankful for you. If this episode or the topic that we talked about resonated with you or someone that you might know, please feel free to send it to them and or share it to your stories on social media. If you share, be sure to tag me at Courtney underscore Winzicki on Instagram so I can personally thank you for spreading this message of courage, mental health, and motherhood. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. I hope you have a great rest of your day.